This is Aaron's Journey. Hi everyone, this is Aaron Koski of Aaron's Journey. And today, I have a special guest. I have here Bob, aka DJ Bob, who is a DJ and runs his own show called the DJ Bob Show. Would you go ahead and please introduce yourself? Hello, I am DJ Bob Runkle, host of the DJ Bob Show, and I'm happy to be here with you, Eric. Yep, absolutely. How did you get started? Well, um, I, I have to backtrack a little bit because I've been involved with radio and music pretty much for as long as I can remember. I was, you know, basically listening to it from the time I was born. You would see me watching music videos and obsessing over pop music um, over the over the ages of three and four. Like I was obsessed, and you would you would see me playing with cassette recorders and buying CDs. So it's always been a part of me. And then once the internet happened, forget it. That's where it really started. I'll get into that right now. So. In 2007, I was 12 years old and I discovered this video streaming website called Stickgram, which you could stream and broadcast to people around the world. And random people would come in your room. Some good people, some, well, not appropriate for 12 year old Um, and... I I done that for years, and then I stumbled upon different radio stations and made connections there. And then a bunch of stations didn't want to hire me, and I said, you know what? I'm gonna start my own show. So I created at three in the morning. I'd be really tired, and I drank a bunch of Mountain Dew. <laughs> and that Mountain Dew, I guess, had some magic juice in it or something. And it made me create the DJ Bob Show. I didn't know what it was. I just had... I didn't know what the DJ Bob Show was. I just had the name. That was it. And I built upon that. And by the next morning, the Facebook page, which I had created for this thing called the DJ Bob Show had over a hundred likes within six hours. Dang! What to be crazy. And then that was July 3rd of 2010 and we launched officially on July 19th of that month. Of that year rather. Mm-hmm. So that's a brief history. And so, um, for what you've been mostly been known, of course, with your show, is to, you know, has been to find people that have, say, influenced people's childhoods and, you know, kind of things like that. Um, how would you say that started? Well, that was... I was always a Nickelodeon fan. I was always a Disney Channel fan. Every 
every few years I would go back and look at things from my childhood. But I said, but I noticed everybody did a show about the 80s. Everybody did a show about the 70s. Nobody did a show about the 90s, early 2000s. Nobody talked to people from Baron the Big Blue House. Nobody talked to people from Stanley. So I'm going to talk to these people. I'm going to find them and get their story and their perspective about working on these properties. So the first interview I did, um, I guess... I was bored one day and I was thinking of people from my childhood. The childhood thing wasn't even an idea yet. This is 2012. So I was thinking of people from my childhood and I just thought of Bear in the Big Blue House. I just thought of it. So then I, on a whim, I reach out to this guy, Noel McNeil. And he responds back and we do the interview in May of 2012 and I'm a nervous wreck and I'm screaming like a girl when Bear talks to me on the phone. Like, that happened and then I eventually, you know, got more people from my childhood and then it, and then it just grew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so... It is, you know, grown, you know, through that. And when you have done basic, you know, episodes about um, pop culture. Yeah. Because I'm the biggest pop culture nut you could meet. Like, the children stuff is not just... Like, not all I enjoy. Like, I enjoy movies, I enjoy TV, I enjoy, like, pop music and... 40 and I'm wired into everything because it's just been a part of me for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem with producing childhood content, and I'll be honest here, is that people put you under a certain box. Mm-hmm. And they think you're always going to deliver that. Mm-hmm. And they think, oh, so if you like this, you like this. Mm-hmm. No, that's not true. Like, for example, people want me to interview people from Barney. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that because that's too kitty. Mm-hmm. Do you agree? Like, do you think so? It's like, that. Yeah, I mean, especially, I mean, especially had his controversy with the very well, with the very well education content, and at the same time, you know, it was kind of over, over the, over the top, um, you know, what Kitty's just said, and, and two, you know, they had a character which could drive you crazy. And it's like, I, but say, say if I did do an interview from Barney, like people would assume things that I'm obsessed with these characters and that I, you know, that I like these things. And some of it I 
like. Like, I like Bear. I like Stanley. But you're not going to find me watching Teletubbies every five minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, back when I was four, you would. But I'm not one of those types of people. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to be rude, but that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so essentially, you know, you know, you, you know, you try to, you, you try to, you know, you, you basically trying to find shows that have, you know, the educational values, but at the same time is not over the top when it comes to, you know, um, dedicating to a, you know, to a uh, children's audience. Because I would tell people all the time that, um... I'm not the kiddie show. That's not what I do. What I do is I put a spotlight on things that are not talked about often. And sometimes I can cheat a little bit. Like, Blue's Clues, everybody talking about it, everybody references, but... When you go farther into children's television, it turns into like very weird territory because that's just not me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially you know? especially with a lot of the shows these days that are for children, which. There are some that still have good educational value, but but some never have achieved the you know the um, popular stance as say like um, Baron the Big Blue House, Blue's Clues, you know shows that even uh, that even you know even adults can remember and and they can relate to it too because the right the writing on these shows was super strong. I mean. There was a whole episode of Bear about a dog being homeless. What other kid show would tackle that? Mm-hmm. And absolutely that, you know, of course, when you interviewed Noel, that, um, especially me too, he, you know, he ended up doing, ended up making his own episode. Yeah, he, well, he directed an episode and then he wrote two or three. He also um, wrote for another show that he mentioned called The Puzzle Place 2, which which was from the creative team behind um, Reading Rainbow, that kind of one. Um, But as I'm saying this, I don't view these shows as a kid would. I always view it from a behind-the-scenes point of view. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't do that, then people will look at you really weird. Mm-hmm. And especially for a lot of the kids' shows, you know, like, for like ones like Baron the Big Bull House. You know, Baron the Big Bull House was one of those shows to where it was, you know, to where it used to be common for a children's show to have puppets. Yeah. And which, especially from what we learned from Noel, that it was especially hard. 
to do so. Oh, yeah. The right, like, the puppeteering on that show. They, all the puppeteers on that show are genius. They do think that, um, they do things that are very, um, groundbreaking and innovative and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it's unheard of these days. Yeah, it's especially unheard of because with Noel, he, you know, he wanted to go on to, you know, to do other shows. But of course, these days, a lot of the people who run the Chosen Channels now basically hate puppets. Yeah, because what they see is they want money and they want merchandise and they want all these things that puppets can't give. Like, there was a show, there was an animated show on Playhouse Disney called PB&J Otter. Remember that? Mm-hmm. PB&J Otter. Um, well, all these other shows had merchandise, had videotapes, had toys. You know what PB&J Otter had? Hmm. Two books and a finger puppet set. Mm-hmm. That shit. That's yeah. it. Nothing else. So it shows you that they cared about more shows than others. Yeah. In which, you know, which, especially back then, they did. But now, a lot of, you know, a lot of the channels especially hate puppets because, you know, one time, um, when I, uh, when we've talked with Noel, he said that he once tried to contact, or he once tried to work certain now with PBS, or one, or the people, or the people that are now working at PBS, but, you know, but of course, they hated puppets, and so, you know, he wanted to create a show that had elements of Bear in the Big Bull House in it, in which that show which is, of course, on YouTube, is The Show Me Show, which is for people with disabilities and especially for those with autism. Yeah, because he would get fan letters from fans of Bear, and he felt inspired by that. So that's why The Show Me Show was repurposed and created. Yeah, you know, you know, he basically felt that he needed, you know, he needed to, you know, he needed to take initiative and bring the concept of puppet shows back. Yeah. I mean, there were a few puppet shows a while ago. Like, there was a show on PBS called It's a Big, Big World. I don't know if you remember that, but... It was another show created by Mitchell Kriegman, the creator of Bear. And um, puppets are still around. They're just rare to see these days. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and especially from what we found out from those for various puppet shows, 
that it's to control the puppets, it's not as easy as the general public think it is. It's very Yeah. You know what? Puppets puppets have a bad uh commutation because they think Oh, you just put it on and you make it move and no it their mechanic involved with your whole thing. Yeah, and, and here's and here's a thing that needs to clar- here's a thing that needs to be clarified. Puppeteers don't just you know don't just uh, work the puppets. They also do the voices for those puppets. Sometimes, sometimes, depending on show, sometimes a voice is recorded for them. But in most cases, yeah. And which, you know, in which in some of those cases, for those that do, usually they have to do is they usually have to get into the, into the puppet suit and they usually have like, they usually have like, um, I think for most cases they'd usually have a camera and a mic as well. Yeah, well that's just, that's just, that's just for Baron Big Purple, like the smaller, the smaller guys like Elmo. They're just on the Pershing hand. Yeah, so so in a way, shows have evolved, but at the same time, you know, channels these days don't understand the nostalgic elements of puppet shows and other types of, you know, original media back in the 90s. Yep. I mean, I mean, you've, I mean, I bet over time, you especially noticed that. Oh, yeah. Yep. And it really, it really stuck with me when I saw a show, like, there was a show on Netflix with all puppets that Henkin did last year with um, Julie Andrews called Julie's Green Room. Mm-hmm. And that that got canceled after a season, and that really upset me because that was a wonderful show that didn't get the love it deserved. I wish it did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And the other thing I want to bring up too is that puppeteers, in general are the nicest people you could meet. Seriously. I mean, you. I mean, for the audience out there, you guys have no idea. Because when we met Noel, he was, he was, you know, he was basically, you know, he was basically, you know, one of the most sincere people we have ever met. Oh, yeah. And, like, he's been on my show... Almost ten times or something crazy like that. I haven't counted in forever, but I do know whenever something happens or whenever he got a project, he'll go to me and be like, "Hey, can I talk about this?" or something like that, and he'll do that for you because he's got such a good heart. And and all if you're listening. We love you very much, Vicky. You're awesome, and 
the other people that I met, like Peter and Tyler and Vicky and all the bear, all the bear people and all the other puppeteers I've met in the past are just brilliant, kind-hearted people who deserve more recognition. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, because there have been some that, of course, have been willing to do, you know, do things for, like, say, like, children's hospitals, which is, which is a really, which is a really great thing to give, to give a child a chance to meet one of the characters and actually let the child be a child again, not just a patient. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Noel could tell you stories for days about the lives he's touched and the impact he's made, but other people like, well, I mean, some people go to, you know, some people, you know, go to premieres and visit kids there and it's really cool. So, I'm happy to have met you through Nolan. I'm glad that we're talking today. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, it in the long run, it, it, it basically demonstrates you know, demonstrates basically the positive side of social media when it's used correctly. Oh, and by the way, if you'd like to hear any of my content, you can go to www.djbombshow.com. All the recent shows are there. Facebook, Twitter, just search the DJ Bomb Show. I'm very accessible. Thank you so much for having me. If you'd like to continue to be a part of Aaron's journey, consider donating to the podcast monthly. Head on over to my anchor page for more information on how to get exclusive bonus content and more.